just imagine with me. Uh, uh, Sam, jump up here and help me real quick. <laughs> Twice in one day. You're so mad at me right now. It's okay. So come, come right here. So imagine, if you will, if Sam and I were connected and I tied a rope around him, his waist, and a rope around my waist. If Sam decides to go over this way, walk that way, I have no choice. He's going to pull me with him. But if I decide to come this direction, he's going to have to come with me because there is a rope tied between us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our heart and our money are exactly the same way. If, if Sam, Sam has an incredible gift on his life to make money. It's, it's a gift from God. So Sam's going to represent money for a moment, and I'm going to represent the heart. If money is leading in our life, Sam can lead me wherever he wants to go, and my heart's going to follow. But this is what Jesus is guarding us against. He's not guarding you against making money. He's not saying you have to be poor the rest of your life. That's not the point. He's saying that whatever you do, make sure you're determining where your heart is, and if you do that, your money will follow. Are you tracking with me? Because they're connected. There is, there is a, a connection between the two that you can't break. You can try to break it temporarily, but eventually it, it's like a bungee cord. It's going to catch up. And so if the, the, Jesus is teaching us here, make sure that your money is in a safe place, that you're pun, putting money into the right place, because if you're putting money in the wrong place, not only can the things of this earth steal your money, they're going to steal your heart. Appreciate it, Sam. Y'all give him a hand. So if there is this, there is, if there is this, this, this tie, this rope, this bind connecting us, then we, if you don't know where your heart is, look at where your money is. And if you don't know where your money is, look at where your heart is, and you will find the other. See, I can say all day long, my heart is in one place. I can say all day long, um, my heart goes out to, uh, let, let's say, um, you know, a, a, a few years ago when, when the travesties happened in the, in the nation of Haiti and, and all that went down. I can say all day long that my heart goes out to them. But if I never gave some of my treasure, my time, or my money to, to go down there and help them, sent something to help them, then did my heart really go out to them? Not long term. But yet in response, I think about uh, Harvest Church in, in Jasper, uh, Pastors Gary and Karen Marshall, and their heart was so moved that it became the, the primary, uh, Haiti became the primary um, recipient of the uh, funds of their missions at, at Harvest Church. And harvest, the heart of Harvest Church is so in. They've bought property. They've built churches. They've dug wells. They've built schools. They've done all kinds of things in the nation of Haiti. Why? Because it wasn't just about saying words that, oh, you know, we're so sorry. No, no. They, they got behind it, and when their money got involved, their heart really got connected. Now they've taken multiple trips down there, and people have gone, and they've visited. They've built things because their heart and their money are connected. Are you tracking with me? So this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, make sure now that you're putting your money in the right place because if you don't, it will leave your heart exposed to the forces of this world. Then he goes on and he says in, um, 
What verse am I in? Verse 24? Yeah, let's go to verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. What version am I reading? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, interesting Greek word here that Jesus uses is the word mammon. Not a word used in our uh, vocabulary very often. But it's a specific word that Jesus chose to use here because it doesn't necessarily represent money. What it represents is money personified. The God or the spirit behind money, if you will. Money, and we'll talk about this more, but money is not evil, but the spirit and the God behind it that wants to control you by controlling your money is wrong. And so Jesus says these words, you cannot serve God and mammon. You, you can't serve both. You see, here's the thing. God's not worried about your money for money's sake. He's worried about your money for your heart's sake. And in the exact same breath, we, we understand that Satan's not worried about your money either. Satan is after your heart. You see, there is a war raging for your heart and for your soul to gain control of your worship. And, and God wants your heart and God wants your soul and God wants your worship and so does the enemy. And so what, what, what Jesus says here is, if we're not careful, we'll end up serving mammon and thus turning our heart away from God because you cannot serve two masters. If you're serving money, Jesus goes on. As, as Christians, and especially as American Christians, we want to find a way to love God and serve money. But Jesus said, let me make it very clear to you. You cannot love both. You cannot serve both. Does this mean that, you know, uh, God's called us all to be poor? No. In fact, that's the first. I want to give you two myths and three truths today. Um, two myths about money. One is, uh, the, the first myth is this, that, that God wants me to live in poverty or just enough. That's not true. This is not God's will for your life, to live in barely enough. Now, there are a few people that he's called to a vow of poverty, but unless he specifically called you that and gave you a purpose according to that, that's not for you. God wants you to live in, in abundance. He wants you to have more than enough. But he, he took the children of Israel out of slavery and gave them land. God wants you to own something. He wants you to, he wants you to own things in this world. Um, so so it's, it's a lie of the enemy that tells you you're broke because God wants you to be broke. This is just simply not the case. This is not the heart of God in your life. He does not want you to be stuck in poverty. He wants you to be blessed. But the enemy wants to convince us of this. Um, he, he tells us, he, he takes us to stories like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he said, he said what do I have to do to, to be saved? And he's like, well, you, you, know, you keep all the laws and the commands. He said, I've done that since I was a kid. And he said, well, then sell everything you own and give it to the poor. And the man went away sad. You see, here's what the enemy tries to convince us. That if we really want to live for God, we have to sell everything we have and give it to the poor. Or else we can't serve God. 
It's a misinterpretation of Scripture. Here's what Jesus recognized. Understand, Jesus wasn't just looking at the outside. Jesus was looking at the heart. And Jesus looked in the heart of this rich young ruler and said, there's one God left in your life that you're unwilling to lay down. And that's the God of mammon. And unless for you, if you can't break the spirit of mammon in your life, then, you can't, then I'm not going to be your Lord. So the real simple solution, and I'll give you some instructions on this later, but the real simple solution is, before God ever asks you to sell everything you own and give it to the poor, break the spirit of mammon in your life. Refuse to be controlled by money. Understand that it all belongs to him anyway. God, whatever you want from me, it's yours. Nothing is mine. It's all from you, and it can all go back to you. God, if you ask me for it, I'll give it to you. You know, when I think about this story, and you overlay it with the story of Abraham and Isaac, consider, for this rich young ruler, God asked him for the most important thing in his life, and he wouldn't give it to, God, wouldn't give it to Jesus. But when God asked Abraham for the most important thing in his life, it wasn't his money, it was his son. Abraham built an altar, laid his son on the altar. But here's the beauty of God. When God looked down at the heart of Abraham and said, you're not withholding your son from me, he stayed the hand, Abraham's hand, and he never took his son from him. In fact, he blessed him and made him into a whole nation. Because that's the heart of God. He's not trying to take all your stuff from you. He wants to know where your heart is. So don't let, don't, don't let the, the enemy convince you that God just wants you to be stuck in poverty. Being a devout Christian does not mean you have to be a broke Christian. Just, just because you're broke doesn't make you more spiritual than me. It might actually mean you're not as good of a steward as I am. It might mean you need to read a little bit more of this. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to help you understand what the enemy is lying to us about. He's not, God's not, he didn't go to the cross so that we could be rich. He didn't go to the cross so that we could all be multimillionaires. But you know what? He did come to this earth so that we could be blessed. And he wants, it's the, it's, the, it's the heart of God, it's the essence of his God's promise that he wants to bless us. It's not all about money, but it's about all of our life. He wants to bless us in our life. <clears throat> myth number two, myth number two. Some of you are feeling good today. Some of you are not. It's okay, we're gonna end well, I promise. Myth number two is that money and possessions are evil. This is, this is not true. Money is neutral. Money's not evil. Money is neutral. You say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. Here's what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He said, for the love of money... Notice, not money. He didn't say money is the root of all evil. He said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, watch this, craving money. Instead of craving God, instead of desiring more of God, we are craving and desiring more money so our focus gets off of our true purpose here on earth, our focus gets off of God and it gets on to making some more Benjamins. And when that happens, we've wandered from the true faith and we've pierced ourselves with many sorrows. 
Money is not evil. Having money is not evil. Making money is not evil. But if we get caught up in the love of money, what did Jesus say? You can't serve two masters. The love of money. It's that, it's that spirit behind money. It's that mammon that's, that's going after our heart. Are you tracking with me this morning? This, this mammon, it's, it's, it's riches personified. It's wealth personified. It's the God of wealth, the God of riches. Uh, money, it has, this, it has this spirit on it. So the thing, about, the thing about money is it can be either used to serve God or it can be used to replace God. And so the key to breaking the spirit of mammon is to make sure our money is serving God. My money is submission in, an, in submission to the will of God in my life. Here's truth number one about mammon. Mammon will speak to you. Mammon will talk to you. It will tell you things. It will promise you things. It, it promise you, promises you things that only God can provide. It promises you things like security. If I have enough money, I would be insulated from, from life's problems. It promise you, promises you significance, that you could really make a difference in this world if you had more money. It promises you an identity, that people, if you had more money, people would know who you were. They would know that you're somebody. It promises you uh, independence, that if you had enough money, you wouldn't have to rely on anyone else. It promises you power and it promises you freedom, but these are only things that God was made to provide. Mammon says if you have the right house and the right car and the right clothes, you live in the right neighborhood, you'll be happy and fulfilled. Mammon says that more money is the answer to all of your problems. But the truth is, mammon lies. More money is probably not the answer, more God is. Money can't solve, mammon can't solve your problems. Mammon cannot sustain you. Mammon cannot fulfill you. Mammon cannot satisfy you. Mammon cannot do what only God can do. It's lying. But here's the thing. It's tempting because money's tangible. I don't have any cash on me today. I got wiped out after service last week. Um, money is tangible. You can hold it in your hand. My dad always told me, and you'll hear me quote my father all the time. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but he always told me, he'd say, uh, Randon, um, faith is the currency of heaven. Right? Have you ever heard Bishop say that, that faith is the currency of heaven? Man, I couldn't, I couldn't, believe, I couldn't agree more, Dad. Faith is, faith is what moves heaven. The problem is Target doesn't accept faith as currency. You know, go down to First Colony Mall today, go into the Apple store, grab a couple iPads, and when you walk out the door, say, I'm leaving on faith today. I'm purchasing this on faith. See how far you get. Right? So, so faith is the currency of heaven, but on earth it requires money. But it, and so money is visible. Money is tangible. We can put our hands on it. And that's what makes it such a difficult God to defeat in our life. Because we can see this God, and yet we're forced to put our trust and our hope and our faith in a God that we cannot see. But wait a second, isn't that the very definition of faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I am, if I can see the money and feel the money and taste the money and spend the money, then it doesn't require faith. But when I'm forced to put my faith in God that I cannot see, now, now it can move something in my life. 
Are you tracking with me? Mammon's going to lie to you. It's going to try to tell you a bunch of things that are, are not right because it's trying to pull you away from God. Truth number two, Mammon has friends. I'm going to give you two friends. One, poverty. The friend of Mammon wants you to live in poverty because it wants you to be ashamed of the blessings of God in your life. He wants you to be ashamed when you have nice things. He wants you to be ashamed when you have a, a nice home. He wants you to be ashamed in your life. And so, he wants, so Mammon is trying to convince you to live with his best friend, poverty. But putting God first, being a giver, results in the blessings of God, and the devil can't stop it. He knows he can't stop it, so he tries to make you ashamed of it. That's a poverty mentality, and you don't need it in your life. You don't need to feel guilty about the blessings of God in your life. You should not feel guilty. The second friend is the opposite end, and this friend is called pride. Pride says you earned it, you worked hard for it, you made it happen, thus you should be proud of the blessings you have received. And we get confused on who our source is. We think pride says I did all this. Poverty says I don't deserve any of this. I'm ashamed of it. You see the two ends of the spectrum, and we can get lost in the middle. These two friends of Mammon, pride says wealth comes from hard work. Poverty says wealth comes from the devil. One says you should be ashamed, and one says you should be proud, but they are things-focused rather than God-focused. Pride says, yeah, it was imported from Europe. Poverty said, this old thing, I got it from Walmart on sale. Pride says, I want to make people think we paid more than we did for something. Poverty says, I want to make people think I paid less. Poverty needs to justify purchases and possessions because it equates blessing with evil. I can't let you think I spent very much money on anything because that would mean I'm not spiritual. You're tracking with me. You see how he lies and he speaks and he has friends and he uses them against us. And number three, the truth number three is, if I serve mammon, I despise God. I, lo- I love the word that Jesus uses here. Because again, we try to convince ourselves there's th- that there's some middle ground. That I can serve mammon and still love God. And God said, no, no, no. If you love mammon, if you're serving mammon, then you're despising me. This is a shot to the heart of Christians. We've said the sinner's prayer. We come to church every Sunday. We, we serve, we're, we're a greeter, we serve on the dream team, we, we do all this, and yet God may be looking at us and saying, if you're serving money, then you're despising me. Oh God, don't let me fall into the trap of despising you, and, and, but believing that I'm living for you the whole time. We put, we put God and money at odds. We, we find ourselves in a difficult financial situation. And we say things like, I either need God to work a miracle or I need some cash from somewhere. When the truth is, what we really need is more God. And if God chooses to send you some cash, if God chooses to send you an investor for your business, if God chooses to send you something in your life, so be it. But we, what we have to get back to is where I'm not relying upon my paycheck, I'm relying upon God. And, then, and what happens is because mammon lies to us and mammon promises things that, we can't, that he can't deliver, 
when mammon doesn't deliver, we blame God. We blame God. God, I thought you were going to come through for me. God, I thought you, and God's the whole time saying, man, you never put your faith in me. You never put your trust in me. You never put your hope in me. You never did, you never lived according to my word, and yet you wanted to come through. We don't blame mammon when mammon doesn't come through. We don't blame money when money doesn't come through for us. We blame God. Mammon can't satisfy, but we blame God. Mammon can't sustain, but we blame God. Mammon is looking for slaves. Mammon is looking for worshipers. But if you love him, you will despise Jesus. The question then becomes, and maybe you don't have this question this morning, but this is my question. Lord, how do I break the spirit of mammon in my life? If, if this is the case, how do I break it? And, and, the, and number one is this. We've got to know our source. We've got to know our source. You go to the restroom today, um, and, and you go to wash your hands, and you're going to turn on the faucet, and water's going to come out. But that faucet even though water comes out of the faucet, the faucet is not the source. It's just part of the mechanism that delivers the water from the source to where it's needed. Are you tracking with me? You see, if we're not careful, we can look to things like our employer. We can look to uh, the, the name on the, on the front of the door, you can look to your own business and you can think your business is the source, that your employer is the source. Your employer is not the source. Your business is not the source. Your job is not the source. That's not the source in your life. It's simply the faucet that God is using to deliver his blessings into your life. But we can get this confused. And you say, well, every time I go to the faucet and I turn it on, more water comes out. Yes, but it's not the source. That water is coming from somewhere else. I want you to understand this. This, this, this is so important because the enemy convince, can convince us that we live in a world with limited resources. He can convince you that there's not enough, that there's no way, that it can never happen. And he takes you to the faucet and it's barely dripping. And if he can convince you that the faucet is the source... He'll stop you from recognizing that really the pipes are clogged and, then, and the source, which is unlimited, wants to send you the resources of heaven in your life. We just got to fix the pipe. Our source is God, and His resources are unlimited. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He owns everything on earth and in heaven. It's all his. He is not limited. But we see the, the, the faucet in our life and it's barely dripping. And we relate that to God and him having a lack in our life or him not wanting to bless us. No, no, no. Maybe we need to check and see if there's something blocking between us and the source. You with me? Know your source. If you want to break the spirit of mammon in your life, know your source. Knowing your source leads to a heart of gratitude. When pride says, I deserve more, when poverty says, I should feel guilty, gratitude says, thank you, Lord, that every time I go turn the faucet on, you're sending water. You have already sent water to come into my life. When you get that new house, pride says, well, we were going to build a bigger one, but we decided not to. Poverty says, well, we got this one on a foreclosure. But gratitude says, thanks, because God has blessed us beyond our wildest imagination. Man, you get that new suit, and pride says, yeah, it's custom, and I've got to tell everyone. But poverty says, well, I got it half price at the men's warehouse. But gratitude says, isn't God good? Look what he's done in my life. Pride wants 
Pride wants to mess with us and poverty wants to keep us down, but gratitude doesn't care what people think. It only cares what God thinks and wants to give him praise for everything he's done in our life. Number one is know your source. Number two is work hard. Work hard. Now, I know all of you work hard in your life, so I'm not talking to you. I'm going to talk to the people on the Internet right now. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. This scripture's in the Bible. Oh, and by the way, this is Colossians. This is New Testament. This is not even the Old Testament, so you can't come at me with that. This, this is Paul in the New Testament, and he says, Whatever you do, work hard, not for, not for man, but for God. Let me ask you this question. Do you go hard? Do you go to work every day and work hard, not because of your paycheck, but because you're going to serve the Lord? We, go, we show up to work, and we work hard, not, because, not so we can make more money. We work hard so that we can serve God more because he's our source. Here's another one, Proverbs 14. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. This words of Solomon here. The wisest man on the planet in the day he lived. And he said, lazy people want a lot of stuff, but they're not going to get much. Why? They're lazy. They're not working hard. But those who work hard will prosper. Are you working hard? Here's one more. Uh, Proverbs 12 and 24. I like this one. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Work hard and become a leader. Work hard and move up at your company. Work hard and show your diligence and train and learn and grow and, and, and grow into a better leader and watch how God lifts you up. But be lazy and watch how you fall down to the bottom of the chain and you become a slave and you, and you can't leave because you can't afford to quit your job. But it's tough to stay because you're living paycheck to paycheck. And thus we end up in a slave to where we are. Are you tracking with me this morning? I don't want to get too far out there, so I'm just reading you verses. You, you take for them what you will. Work hard and become a leader. I want to be a leader in my life. I want to be a leader in everything that I do. I want to be a leader, so I'm going to work hard. I don't want, I don't want to be lazy and become a slave. I want to be be a slave to one person in my life, and that's God. That's it. So we got to work hard. Number three uh, is be a good steward. Be a good steward. When you know your source and you work hard, the next step is to be a good steward. Um, If you're living in constant need of God showing up financially, it may not be a question uh, that of anything other than your stewardship. And I'm not here to condemn you today. I'm here to challenge you to make a look at your, take a look at your life and ask yourself, are you living above your means? Because if you're living above your means, then you're not living as a good steward. And the Bible wants us to, wants us to be good stewards of what God is giving us. Now, I understand there are extenuating circumstances and, and, and things happen and we get behind. But on a month-to-month basis, are you living above your means? Or are you living below your means? If, if, you, if you look at your life today, and you're in a difficult place, and you realize, man, this is going on month after month after month after month in my life, and it just feels like we're getting nowhere, I want to challenge you to take a hard look at yourself, be honest with yourself, and get some help. There are resources available to you that can help you get ahead in your life. We have a small group Every session of small groups we have on 
on becoming financially free and learning tools and principles to help you in your life, I encourage you, don't stay stuck where you are because you don't have the knowledge to get free in your life. The knowledge is available. The help is available. Get, get a financial advisor. Do something. Stewardship doesn't let mammon rule you because stewardship is about getting control of your money. That's what stewardship is about. It's about getting control of your money. And so if we're controlling our money, then mammon is not controlling us. Um, you know, there, there are two reasons. Uh, top two, number two reason for divorce is, is finances. Number two reason for divorce is finances. You realize that your marriage would get better if your finances got better? You know what the number one reason is for divorce? Communication. We can't communicate. But you know the one, number one thing we miscommunicate about? Is money. Be a good steward in your life. Be a good steward in your life. Get some help. It could help you everywhere. Think about the, the fights you've had. And I don't know how long you've been. I've been married 16 years. And I look back at the fights Lindsay and I have had and how many of them were centered around money. And how when we decided to get better control of our finances and be better stewards, how, f how many fights we've just cut out because we don't fight about money much anymore. I don't know, that's just my life, and I'm, I'm still trying to chase Jesus. For, so for all y'all saved people, perfect people, that, that wasn't for y'all. That was the ones just like us. Here's, here's number four. The fourth way to break the spirit of mammon in your life is that you need to get a cause. Get a cause. What, what are you talking about, Pastor Randy? Well, let's flip over to Luke. Flip over to Luke. Are y'all doing all right this morning? I know the preacher's talking about money again, and he's just... He's talking about money. No, I'm, I'm talking about something more important than that. I'm talking about you serving God. Amen. I'm talking about what Jesus said and how we can either serve God or we can serve mammon, but we can't serve both. Amen. I love this story. This story in Luke chapter 16 messed me up. I had lived much of my life and never read it. I mean, if I read it, I didn't understand it. Man, this story really got a hold of me. And uh, it, it changed my perspective on another, a number of issues. For one, it gets off to a really weird start. L let me read it to you. Verse 1. Jesus tells this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Now, in my Bible, there's a little cross beside this. And if you're studying your scripture, you will find that, that Luke is trying to, or the, or the, 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 um, uh, the uh, translators are trying to alert us that Jesus uses exact same phrase and an exact same verbiage in the Greek or in the Aramaic that he used in this previous story. The previous story to this is the story about the prodigal son. How many remember the story about the prodigal son? And here's what the Bible says. In, in verse um, uh, 13 of chapter 15, he's, he's talking about the son, and he says he wasted all his money in wild living. It's the same phrase that Jesus is he's pulling it back up. He's telling the story about the prodigal son. He's continuing preaching his message. He goes right in, and he's tying in same, the same language he just used. This guy was wasting all of the money on wild living. Here's the other verse that he uses. Uh, which verse is it in? 
verse 30. He says, yet when this son of yours came back after squandering your money or wasting your money on prostitutes. Now here's what's interesting. Jesus is going to start this story out by telling us the story of a manager who was using his boss's money, wasting it on things like wild living and prostitutes. He had a cause, but his cause was to fulfill the, desi- fulfill the desires of his flesh. Y'all ready to fast forward now? We go back to chapter 16. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. I'm about to let you go. And I love it. The manager thinks to himself, now what? My boss has fired me, and I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Look, let's be honest. This is not a great guy. This is not the model Christian here. This is, this is not the guy we're all looking to and say, I want to be like the shrewd manager in every area of my life. <laughs> Wild living, prostitutes, cheating his boss, and now he's saying, like, I'm too, I can't dig ditches. I'm too proud for all that. <laughs> I know how I'll ensure that I'll have plenty of friends, how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. I know what I do. He comes up with an idea. Listen to his idea. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to, to, come, to come and discuss the situation. There's no situation here. I love this story. I'm telling you, this is a great story. There's no situation. He's making, let's come discuss this. The situation is you just got fired. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? Not how much do you owe me. How much do you owe my boss? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and change it to 400 gallons. This is not your money. This is the kind of stuff you're getting fired for. You're getting fired for how you're spending your money, how you're spending the boss's money. He goes on, he calls somebody else in. He says, how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, and he said, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. So the rich man comes back in. Now you think, you think he's going to explode. You think he's going to be in shock and in awe. But watch what Jesus says. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal. <laughs> You're a dishonest rascal, but I sure do admire something about you. No, you can't keep your job. <laughs> But boy, there's something about you I like. This is, do, do you see how interesting this story is? It goes on. I'm admiring you for being so shrewd. And it is true, watch here, that the children of this world, not Christians, not the followers of Jesus, not people in the kingdom of God, the people outside the kingdom of God, are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. It should not be that even though we're in this world, the church 
is more broke than the world. Shouldn't be. That's what Jesus said. He just said, look, I'm just in shock because the, the children of light are not as shrewd as, as the people of the world. When we have this book filled with knowledge and information and wisdom and guidance, we have the Holy Spirit that wants to lead us and help us along the way. And yet, we're not as shrewd. This is not a good thing about us. This is something we need to address and ask God to help us with. He goes on. Here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. This guy had a cause, and it was living it up. Wild living, parties, depending on what version you're reading, wild parties, wild living, anything he wanted to do, anywhere he wants to go, prostitutes, all of his friends were with him. He was, he was just blowing all his money on anything that his flesh desired. But then something shifted in him, and he got a different cause. And he decided to use the resources he had available for the limited amount of the time he had them. He only had a little bit of time before he was about to be fired. But he decided to use those resources to make friends and do some good. The things that God has given me in my life, I'm not, I, I'm not the boss in this story. I'm not the, I, I'm not the owner. I'm the manager because I'm the steward. And everything I have in my life, God gave me. And here's what Jesus is saying. Randon, you can use what I've given you and waste it on causes that don't make a difference, that don't matter. Or you can take the unrighteous mammon that I've given you. You can take the money that I've given you and you can use it for good causes. Good causes that benefit people and make friends. Now, these are two separate things, but they're tied together. The first thing is we, we ought to use our money to benefit people. We ought to use our money to make a difference. What comes into to the, the, this church should, should not just be used for this church, but it should be used to benefit people in our community and around the world. And so every year, we take a portion of everything that comes in and tithe and offering, everything that comes in, and, and we give that to missions. That, that looks like uh, world missions. That looks like local outreach. And that looks like partnering with people. With, that are other people that are, that are doing uh, missions and, and, and helping and benefiting other people. And you get to be a part of this. And you may not even know it, but this happens every year. One of the main things that we do is we plant churches. Why? Um, because if you're thirsty, I can bring you a couple of, cup of water. But what would be better is if I can dig you a well, you can drink from that well for generations. And we believe that every church that we can plant in communities around this nation and around the world becomes a well to that community. That we're not just sending them money one time, but we're digging them a well to bless their community and become a part of this process with us. So we believe in planting churches. Right? We also believe in doing good things. So we partner with people throughout the year to help our community. And since Lindsay and I have moved here, we've kind of been searching and looking and saying, okay, what's... What's the place we want to help? What's God calling, calling us to do in, at Triumph Sugarland? Who do we partner with? 
um, how can we give back? How can we be of a benefit to others? How can we take the money that God has given us and use it to bless the people around us? I'm not just talking about inside these four walls. I'm talking about outside these four walls. And what we've realized is um, through a series of events, and, and, and Lindsay talked to you about this a few weeks ago, but through a series of events that have taken place, God has dropped it in our laps and, and in our hearts that we want to be a part of helping um, families with special needs kids. And this is a big part of what God's put in our heart. And she talked to you about this a few weeks, and we're kicking off a, a new program on Easter, and, and it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort, and we're not ready to go, but God's with us. And he, he just keeps putting things and people in our life. He just keeps aligning these pieces until we look up and we say, okay, Lord, we're here. We're ready. What do you want from us? We're, we're ready to go. And so this is a part of what, what and, and you say, well, I didn't get a vote in that, Pastor Raymond. Well, sorry. Hear the heart of it. We're, we're going to help our community. And so uh, one of the things that we're going to do and is uh, we, we started looking around and we realized, do, do you know that one in 58 people now in America have some sort of autism? One in 58. That's, that's a lot. And uh, so we, 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 there's, a, there's a, a, an organization that we want to partner with and we want to help. It's called Autism Speaks. I don't know if it's the greatest organization in the world or the worst organization in the world, but I know they're doing something and we want to partner with them. And so uh, on August the 27th, they've got a um, uh, 8K run and a fundraiser, and so we're partnering with them. And I invite you to be a part of that with us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the 8K, and that's 8K further than I've run in the last seven years combined. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but the Holy Spirit's going to help me. Uh, at, uh, I, 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 we're going to run, and then uh, we're going to be leading a team, say, well, Pastor Ryan, I'm not running 8Ks. I understand. This is my first time and maybe my last time. Last time. But you know what else we're going to be doing? We're, we're going to have a table out there. We're just going to be giving water to runners as they come by and just being a part. We're just raising money and raising awareness for something that's going on in our community, people that need help. We want to do good and benefit others. Are you tracking with me? And so if you want to be a part of that, uh, it's on April the 27th, um, but you can get on your app, and you can click where it says Autism Speaks, and you can sign up to be a part. You don't have to run if you don't want to. If you want to run with me, that's fine. Um, uh, if, you, if you need a good laugh as I'm, you know, rounding 200 meters and already out of gas, um, you're welcome to join. But if you say, Pastor Ryan, I just want to come out. I just want to smile. I just want to shake some hands. The kids have a 1K run. It's supposed to be a really fun thing. We just want to get involved. Are you tracking with me? We want to use what God has given us to give back and help people. It's not all about collecting it. This is where we get lost. We, we get lost when we think it's all about collecting it in the house of God and the church so that it just, well, just give all your money for the church and then we'll have all these nice things and the world around us will be hurting. No, 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 no. We want to make sure that we're helping. We can't solve all the problems in the world, but we can do something. But here's, I want you to note what he says, because it goes beyond that. That's like step one, but there's another piece. Notice he said, to benefit others and to make friends. He continues, because this doesn't make sense. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they, who's they? The friends you made. They will welcome you into an eternal home. Here's what Jesus is saying. The lesson. We use the money that God has given us. We use it to benefit others. 
We use it to bless the house of God. We use it because one of our causes is going to be autism awareness and, and helping the special needs people in, in, our, in our community. It's one of our causes. It's not the only cause. But the bigger cause, the greatest cause, is the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this is the greatest cause that we have. The cause that, you know what, by loving on people, it might open a door that we can introduce them to Jesus. Look, we're not going to be running along, handing you a glass of water and saying, Jesus loved you and he died on the cross for you and he wants to forgive you of all your sins and come to church on Easter Sunday. But you know what? Who knows what happens when the church is seen as the hands and feet of Jesus? caring about the needs around us. And God's given us this beautiful thing. You can use your money when you get to heaven. Can you, can you imagine? You're walking into heaven and there's like, a, there's like a tunnel of people walking into a stadium and, it's, and, they're, and they're shouting and they're, they're so happy there and everyone's high-fiving you all the way down the line. And you turn and you say, Jesus, who are these people? He says, these are all the people that every time you gave the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every time you gave your tithe, every time you gave your offering, every time you helped with autism awareness, every time you did this, every time you sowed into the youth ministry, every time you gave into missions on the other side of the world, you were making friends and they're in heaven now because of the seed that you sown in their life. That's the, that's the most powerful thing we have that God can use. The money he's already given us, the resources he's already given us, and he's saying, what do you want to do with them? I'll tell you what, this is what got a hold of my heart. My money is not just so I can live a good life. Oh, I want to live a good life. Make no mistake about it. But my money is not just for me to live a good life. I want to make a bunch of friends when I get to heaven. I want to make a bunch of friends when we get to heaven. I want, when you walk in, the stadium is rocking. They're shouting your name because of what you did in your life. So, well, Pastor Renner, I don't have that much money. Don't worry about that. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. You see, this, this principle doesn't change if you've got millions in your bank account or zeros in your bank account. It's a heart issue. Are you tracking with me this morning? I, I want to challenge you to be a part of the greatest cause that the world has ever seen. The cause of sharing the gospel with people who don't know it. The cause of seeing as many people as we can go to heaven. That is the greatest cause we could ever be a part of. Here's what we're going to do on, on the way out the door. I want to, I want to, I want to, we were sitting around, we are having a staff, kind of some of our staff were sitting around just brainstorming. And, and we, we did this many, many years ago. We thought, man, let's, let's try this right now. This heart was, this message has just been burning in my heart. And, and so I want to, I want to, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase prime the pump, if you will. I want to prime the pump to get, to, to get, to see how you can be a part of God using you to make friends and do good in your life. So here's what we're going to do. When you leave here, if you'd like to, you don't have to, you're under a little bit of a pressure, but not a lot of pressure. If you'd like to, our ushers will have envelopes waiting uh, at, by, the, by the door on your way out. And in the envelope, you're going to have a couple of things. First of all, you're going to have $10 cash. You can either spend it on yourself and I'll never know and I won't be upset with you or you can take it to bless someone else I don't care what you do with give, give a server at lunch this evening 
or at dinner this evening, a big tip. You can buy someone's coffee at Starbucks. You can buy someone's gas at the gas station. You, you can do whatever you want to. Whatever you feel, when you see someone that you're like, that's the person, I want to help them. You just do whatever, take the $10 and help them. You want to add some money to it, have at it. You don't have to, but, but use it. You want to split it up and buy four people $2.50 coffee at the gas station. That's fine, no problem. All I want you to do, you don't have to introduce yourself, you don't have to say hi, you just buy it and leave one of these for them. You'll see it in there. It just says, have a great day, Triumph Church, that's it. You, I'm t- we're taking the hard part about you don't have to share the gospel you don't have to like tell your story you don't have to give this invitation that says you know do, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior no that might happen and God might open a door for you Lindsay's cousin came down to visit her this week and she's flying on the plane trying to ignore the guy next to her headphones in the guy wouldn't quit talking he wouldn't quit talking and he represents um, firefighters all around the country it's a true story it's happening to the uh, Friday morning. She's flying in. A- after her plane had been delayed and all this stuff, she ends up next to this guy. And she's talking to him. And, and now, she doesn't want to. She's got her headphones in. And finally, she's like, okay, we're going to we're gonna have a talk. The guy starts talking. He represents all these firefighters. And he starts talking about how that firefighters are committing suicide at an ever-increasing rate. And it's his job to try to help them. And Courtney says, well, my God, they don't have any hope. And the guy says, you know, you're right, they don't. And she said, do you have hope? He said, that's a great question. I don't think I do. She said, wait a minute, you're charged with giving them hope and you don't even have it. She said, let me tell you about a man that does. And right there on the plane, she led him to Jesus. They're not even off the plane and he's calling his wife in tears saying, I just gave my life to Jesus. challenge you. Take, take these, pass them out, give them out, help somebody, bless someone. If you want this to be a part of your life, man, I encourage you. And look, when you start using the resource that God, resources that God has given you to do good and make friends, why would God cut you off? And I'm not saying go do something crazy and, and be a bad steward, but within reason, why would God cut you off? Why wouldn't he say, man, let's open that faucet up a little bit more. But it's not all about what God does for us. In this moment, it's about how we can give back and make friends and bless others. Are you here in the heart this morning? All right. Here's what I want to do. We're, we're, we're closing. And, and, I, and I love as, as, um, as Jesus ends this story, he ends it with the same words that he ended the first story we read from Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. Same words Jesus used. Two stories, two different days, two different sermons. And yet he ended, he said, I want to remind you, this is a heart issue. So as we close today, my question, and I believe what the the Holy Spirit wants to expose to us today, the most important questions, Am I serving God or am I serving mammon? This goes beyond our service to God. This goes beyond our church attendance. This goes beyond do you read your Bible? This is a heart issue. It cuts deep to the source. Lord Jesus, I thank you 
for the words you've spoken to us. Lord, you're looking at our heart today. The Bible says that the heart is a deceitful thing. Who can know it? Lord, you can. You know our hearts. So Holy Spirit, expose to us what's in us that is not of you. If, if we've been serving money, if we've been chasing money, instead of chasing you, God, we're so sorry. Forgive us. Lord, it's not that you don't want us to have money. It's not that you don't want us to make money. It's not that you haven't called us to work hard and be blessed and, and to do big things in our world. God, you, you want those things for us, but our heart is your big concern. So, Lord, let us know right now. If our heart is off, get us back in line because we can't serve two masters. So today, Lord, we choose to serve you. And we break the spirit of mammon in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Clap your hands and rejoice on the Lord in the Lord this morning. Have you learned anything today? Stand up on your feet with me, if you will. We're going to open our altars. I'm sorry I went a few minutes extra today. But uh, was, uh, we were talking about some good things happening. Uh, don't forget... Uh,